Learning about materials, media, it's a large chunk of what we teach to our students in the art room. It's really where everything begins. Through the introduction to media, we teach skills and techniques and process and concepts. I mean, understate it, media and materials are important, right? In the traditional teaching model, many teachers introduce media through projects. I mean, you've probably seen posts on Facebook groups asking for a project lesson to introduce a particular medium. I know I have. Like, uh, does anyone have a good watercolor project? Or does anyone have a project lesson where I can introduce printmaking? Questions like that are pretty common. The choice-based tab teacher also thinks media is important, but we have a challenge. <laughs> we don't give teacher-directed projects, which means we don't select which medium a student will use. <laughs> so how do we do it? Let's find out. The tab philosophy states that the student is the artist and the art room is the studio. And if we truly believe this, then we have to think, how does an artist work? I mean, is an artist told which materials to use? Are we told what materials to use? Nobody tells me, I just pick the thing I wanna use and I use it. I imagine you're the same way. But I know what you're thinking. You're like, listen, Sans, that's great. But I already know how to use materials. You already know how to use materials. And I don't need to learn first. I can just pick up the materials because I know how to use it. But the students need to learn. Well, that's partially true. I mean, students, which just like artists, just like you and just like me, uh, we have mixed experiences with materials. I mean, we all know how to use some materials. There's no doubt about that. But there are some materials we could all, you know, learn to use. <laughs> we, could, we could learn a thing or two about those, right, to use them. So the question is not, can the student decide what materials to use? The question might be, how do artists learn to use materials that they aren't familiar with? Well, that's a good question, and I'm glad you asked. So I can think of three ways that we learn to use materials, or artists learn to use materials. First, someone shows them. Someone shows me. I mean, this is our teacher go-to method, right? We're going to show our teachers how to use the materials. Even if we put in a project, even if we don't, we're going to show them. And that's definitely one way. There's no doubt about it. I like to be shown how to do something. I watch YouTube videos all the time. So that's another way you can, you know, a student can learn or artists can learn. They can go online. They can, they can read articles and art magazines. They can watch videos on YouTube. It doesn't have to be the teacher that shows the student how to use the materials, but that is a method. Okay, another way artists learn to use materials is by experimenting. And I'm talking about just playing around with the materials. Like you're not trying to make anything serious. You're just like, I'm just gonna pick this up. There's no product in mind. There's no product in mind. I've got no project in my mind at all. I'm just gonna mess around with this stuff and see what it does. And the beauty of that is, you know, since you're, you know, you put in that little preamble on there there's no product so when you make a big mess <laughs> it doesn't matter but the thing is that's how artists learn right is by making mistakes so even if we fail there's no judgment and we had a lot of fun doing it and then the third way is just by just going for it i know a lot of students will do this uh, those fearless ones there which is like i want to paint a cactus in the desert so give me a canvas and i'm going to paint a cactus in the desert and give me some paint and i'm just going to figure it out as i go along and, and i just have faith in myself it's just going to work out so there's three methods now in a tab classroom we can allow for all three of these methods so first um like direct teacher 
to student learning, we can do that through a mini lesson. We can do it with modified choice, limited materials, limited choice. That works pretty well. I mentioned this in a previous podcast, and there's also a full description in the book, The Open Art Room. <laughs> if you want to go buy that, it's in there. But basically, I'll just tell you what it is. The concept is you just limit the materials to, to just a few choices, a few different media, and then you can give a mini lesson for each one of those um, media, and, and then the student can decide which one they want to use. When we first started doing this at Apex, when we first started introducing choice, um, we were going to, the first project we did, we, we just limited it to black and white. And, and we just said, okay, we're going to show you pencil today. And we did some mini lessons with the pencil. And then we're going to show you pen and ink. And we're going to show you charcoal. It was like each day we taught a different mini lesson. Like for example, on day one, we did pencil and we showed them how to do a value scale. And then on day two, we showed them pen and ink and we showed them some stippling and some cross hatching. And day three, we, you know, we introduced them to charcoal and we showed them how to blend it. And of course, um, all three of those techniques could be used with any one of those mediums, right? So it was a really good way to do it. And then at the end of the three days, after the three mini lessons were over, the student could choose any one of those three mediums to complete their final work of art. So they had the choice, it was limited, but they got the, the teacher-directed lesson, but it was still a, a student-directed project. Now we built on it from there, like the next unit we introduced dry color and we introduced like three colors of dry, uh, three choices of dry color, like color pencil, oil pastel, chalk pastel, and then they, they learned those. And then we did the next one was like wet uh, color, like watercolor paint, acrylic paint. And eventually, you know, we got through all the different mediums and they had a lot of choice with the project, which was good. And the advantage of working like that is that they get to work through the materials, they get an introduction to it, they get mini lessons. And, you know, it's not overwhelming. It's not like, hey, what am I going to choose? There's so many choices, I don't even know where to start. Like that helps out the students, especially when they're just being introduced to choice. The disadvantage of that is that it was really slow going. I mean, it takes a week just to go through, you know, the mini lessons. So you might not get to paint for several weeks. You know, you're not just jumping right into it. Another way the tab teacher can introduce materials to the class is through boot camps. Now, boot camps also mentioned in the open art room. Um, matter of fact, there's a whole section on there with lesson plans and all kinds of things. You can look through it if you're interested, but I'll give you a description right here. Boot camps basically work well when you have a complex medium and you want to bring students up to speed on several different skills and techniques that all revolve around that same medium. So for example, ceramics is a really good example. There's a lot of things you need to know about ceramics really before you can start working in it. Uh, acrylic painting is another one that would work well because there's a lot of things you can know about painting and mixing and brushes and cleaning and all kinds of crazy things in there, right? So the basic concept is you take a few days and you review all these concepts and, and techniques to bring the student up to speed. It's sort of like the previous mentioned, but instead of doing a different medium every day with a mini lesson, you're, do you're sticking in the same medium. So boot camps have similar advantages and disadvantages as that limited media choice I mentioned previously. Um, for one, the materials get covered in depth, so that's a that's an advantage. But the thing is that boot camps really require a lot of time, and they take up a large chunk. And if you think about it, if you did a boot camp for each material you have, you'd spend your whole year just doing boot camps. So you have to be careful just to really limit it, a boot camp to those ones you really need to concentrate on. And those other ones, like pencil and pen and ink, you can just kind of do many lessons with those, kind of gloss over them. Now. A third option, and this is the one I, I frequently use here before COVID anyway, is the media fair. And the media fair, well, first of all, I go into detail on this in, in, in the book, Making Artists. So if you have that book, you can check it out in there. The media fair is sort of like a boot camp on steroids. <laughs> it's like basically you're going to spend a week um, looking at different mediums each day. 
Now, we usually do a media fair right at the beginning of the school year, like the first thing we do when we get to class. And the goal is to introduce just a plethora of media so the students have a wide range of materials to choose from when they get to their first project. Um, let me give you an example of, of like how you could spread this out. Now, this is like a two-week one. You know, it depends on how much time you have in class with your students. You can decide if you want to spend a week, two weeks. You, know, you have block scheduled. You only have 45-minute classes. But this would be like a two-week longer drawn-out one. So day one, you could introduce graphite and charcoal. And day two, you could introduce pen and ink and Sharpie. Day three, color pencils. Day four, chalk pastels and oil pastels. And then day five, your Friday, you review and just have an open studio and you can review all the materials and you let them focus in on one and and and, and do a tutorial like more of an in-depth tutorial now on each one of these days of course you're introducing a mini lesson or you're having them do tutorials online or they could just be experimenting with the materials that's all up to them and also how you want to structure the, the media fair so they get the best introduction you know you have to know your students and how you want to roll it out you go into the second week day six you can do watercolors temper cakes day seven you can do an acrylics um, day eight, you could do sculpture one, a type of sculpture, day, and then day nine, another type of sculpture. And then day 10, you wrap the thing back up with another review day, another open studio, and they can use any of the previous mediums, and they can do tutorials and the same thing. So now they've got this, this, this whole bunch of materials they've been introduced to over this very relatively short amount of time. And for the rest of the year, they have a basic concept, a basic understanding of the materials. So through the rest of the year, they can build on that and go even more into detail with the materials as they use them. So again, the daily activities, they can vary depending on the, the selected medium. You could say like today, I definitely want to show you how to do this. Another medium, you might be like, hey, just go look up a tutorial. You could give them some to choose from, let them find their own, however you run your classes up to you. But students should definitely be given the opportunity to play and experiment with the materials. It doesn't have to all be structured, like much learning comes from trial and error. So you can also just leave it up to that, like, hey, just mix the colors around and see what comes up. And that's a perfectly great way to learn how to mix colors. You don't have to say, hey, make a color wheel, you know. Sometimes it's fun just to like, hey, I just mixed these two colors and look at this color I got. It's really cool. Or, or that looks like poop, <laughs> whichever. So... So, um, so students should also be provided with some structured activities. So I'm not going to say it's all, you know, you can kind of have a little bit of both. So again, you can do little mini lessons or tutorials. So there's three ways you can introduce materials. Currently, however, <laughs> at least at my school, all three of these methods are out the window. The limited mini lessons, the boot camps, the media fair, they've all gone out the window. Thank you, COVID. Like many of you, our school started out the year 100% virtual, and currently we're on an AB hybrid, so that means that some students come Monday and Tuesday, nobody comes Wednesday, another cohort comes Thursday and Friday, and still there's another group that is 100% virtual that we never get to see. So how does anyone introduce material, media material in this type of environment? It's crazy. But here is where Tab has a real advantage. Now remember, the student is the artist, right? So the student selects the material. So what we do now, our first unit is titled Getting Started. And what we want the students to take away from this first unit is that we just want them to consider two things. Number one, we want them to think about how they're gonna set up a home studio, especially if they're 100% virtual, and we want them to think about how they're gonna gather materials that they're gonna to get to work with, okay? For the studio, we want our students to find an appropriate location in their house that works for both them and their families, <laughs> and that they can make a mess, get a little messy, and where they won't be too distracted, <laughs> not in front of the Netflix TV program there, or and, and where they can make the art, right? And so maybe it's a kitchen table, 
And maybe it's a desk in the room. Maybe they have to set up something in the garage or work on the floor. I don't know what it is, but they have to find that space. So that's up to them. I can't help them. I'm not there in their house. You know, they got to work with whoever's there in their house and make sure they can, they can meet that criteria. For the second part, we ask them to gather materials. And we give them a few suggestions. Like first, they can use materials they have at home. I mean, you've got probably got paper, pencil, maybe got some crayons. There's just, there's something stuffed in that junk drawer you can use to make art. Even if it's a pen on lined paper, that's a start right there. Um, and then if they want to purchase materials, and some students do, you know, go to Walmart, go to the Dollar General. We have a Dollar Tree. Everything's for a buck. You can get art supplies for a buck. I mean, you know, they're not the best quality, but there's stuff and there's something you can use. So it doesn't have to cost a lot, but you don't even have to spend money. We tell them that like, you, know, you can use non-material, non-traditional materials, like go in the yard and pick up some sticks and some rocks. You can make art with that. You know, you can use nuts and bolts from the garage. You can use food coloring, sprinkles, spaghetti. I mean, you know, for, in the kitchen, just go in the kitchen and find something to make art. And we also have put together some art kits. Um, so they can pick them up from school, like nothing too fancy, uh, some basic markers, color pencils. I do have little cups we put some acrylic paint in so they can come by school and, and pick it up at their leisure. I'll, I'll just leave it up in the office with their name on it and they just stop by and grab it. And so far, it's really worked out. It's not the optimal situation. I'm, I'm personally ready to get back to the media fair. Where's my vaccination? Come on, let's do it. But, but for now, the students are stepping up to the plate. They really are. And they're creating art with what they have. And they're producing art, which is great. And that's what artists do. So that's where we're at with that. Now I'm going to leave you with a story that is media-based, and it is out of Project Flop. I've referred to this in the last podcast, so I told you I would give you a, a story out of the book. So I'm going to I'm going to tell you one of the adventures here. I like to use non-traditional materials, and I used to do a lot of teacher-director lessons using them. I mean, I would do projects with bird seed. I do projects with muds, po post-it note. I mean, we just had a lot. Of, we had a lot of fun doing it. It was a blast. I mean, I really liked it anyway because it was a teacher-director lesson. Of course, I liked it. Anyway, um, so that was my preference. It was really for using non-traditional materials in the classroom and just experimenting with them and finding new ways and lessons to do with it. So one day I got this idea that we were going to do some expressive portraits um, and, and, and color expressive and expressive in their facial features as well. Maybe self-portraits and uh, we were going to do them using Skittles. We had done a project similar to this using oil pastels, and so I knew the, the lesson could be uh, successful. We had also done post-it note projects that, um, that they use that idea of pixelation, and the Skittles were just a replacement for the post-it notes. So instead of doing a big portrait on the wall using post-it notes, we were going to use these little Skittles. Now, I already knew how to get the class up to speed with all that. We just take a, a, a trip to the, to the computer lab, open up Photoshop, you, know, you have your photograph, change it to the Skittle color, apply a filter that breaks it down into little pixels and then you got your reference you got your reference right there so all you had to do was basically look at the reference and if the it, it was dots going across so if the first dot was you know yellow you put down a yellow skittle you know if it was green you put down a green skittle this was flawed this was not going to be a problem this is going to be a project that was going to go over without a hitch like all great projects they never fail so anyway, I asked all the students, I said, because I knew this was going to, you know, we're going to need a lot of Skittles. So I said, can everyone just bring in a bag of Skittles? And they did. They were great. They brought them all in. They knew we were go that was going on. They were ready to do this project. Day one was a blast. 
we had bags of Skittles open and poured into trays and they were, you know, they put little different colors in different trays so it was easy to get to it and the references were displayed right by the side and all I had to do was reach in, they had a glue bottle in one hand, put down a little glue, grab one of the Skittles, put it where it's supposed to go, take another Skittle, stick it in your mouth <laughs> and kind of rinse and repeat, like grab the glue, put down a drop, put down a Skittle, put another one in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and time by <laughs> went by so fast. <laughs> the next thing I knew, class was over. And I looked at the boards, expecting to see these half-finished portraits. And to my surprise, I found that most of the students had only completed like a row or two. <laughs> to make matters worse, <laughs> where were the Skittles? <laughs> Everyone was out of Skittles. I was like, well, it's because they were putting them in their mouth. <laughs> they all left with a sugar high, too. So I did my part. I was like, well, I'll stop by the food line on the way home, and I'll purchase a few small bags. So the next day went exactly the same. Um, only this time we had a few visitors. Um, the word kind of got out that Sans class was making Skittle art. <laughs> so they were, you know, these kids were coming in pretending, hey, can we borrow some scissors or something like that? And then they were coming in and just grabbing a handful of Skittles. So I had these little bands of like Skittle thieves raiding the art room. Um, so if this project was going to be successful at all, I knew I had to keep the door locked, <laughs> if nothing else. And also we were going to need more Skittles. The couple of bags that I had purchased, we went through those right away. So the next night... I went to Target and I purchased several. There were 2.5 pound bags, 2.5 pound bags. We weren't playing around with little bags anymore. Um, the problem was this project dragged on over the rest of the week. And, you know, it seemed like fun at first putting down the Skittles. But after a while, I was kind of getting like Skittle, Skittle, Skittle. Uh, and I could just but I could see the portraits were starting to come together. But the students had difficulty seeing it. So their inability to see the results lowered their self-esteem. The project, it was already on a roller coaster of emotions. There were sugar highs, you know, and then the sugar lows and the sugar crashes. <laughs> that was a hard thing, too. And not only that, but they started to run out of Skittles selectively. So one group would need, you know, green Skittles. And they were originally trading with the other group that needed yellow Skittles. But then when the yellow Skittles ran out, the green people were like, come on, just give me your Skittles. And they're like, well, you're not giving me any Skittles. And like these fights broke out over come on give me your skittles then worse of worst of all was the, the local stores were running out of skittles i like depleted the food lion i depleted target entirely of their stock of of skittles i was depleting my budget and i was running through walmart supply <laughs> anyway at the end of the two weeks the project had created a class that was sick and tired of gluing down rows of candy. There were like a bunch of moms who were angry at me because their kids kept asking them to buy Skittles. There was like this hungry mob of students that were circling my trailer just waiting for any chance that the door might open so they could bust in and eat some Skittles. And 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 but the but the portraits were actually starting to work out. And up close they just looked like rows of colored circles, but when you got back or photographed them, you could really see they were coming along. So in the end, a couple of students did drop out. They got tired with it, but most of the students actually finished it and they actually turned out pretty well but I definitely vowed I would never do that project again anyway a couple of months later this is a true story I there was a request to submit a lesson plan for a contest and since that project was pretty fairly new and fresh in my mind I was like hmm I'm gonna I'm gonna enter my expressive skittle portrait project <laughs> I laid out the objective the materials needed the whole lesson plan thing you know you name it it was there and and the lesson plan actually won the contest and I received a class set of prank markers for the class but at the end of the lesson plan I included a lessons learned section which I believe is fitting way to close this podcast lesson learned I'm reading right out of the book here kids 
I would never do this project again. However, if you are crazy enough to try it, here are a few helpful hints. Number one, gluing down the Skittles is a time-consuming process. This project took way longer than I thought it would. However, we made rather large portraits. If I were to do it over again, I certainly reduced the amount of squares when applying the mosaic filter. Maybe keep it down to 40 by 46. Number two, Skittles are not cheap. I spent over $100 buying Skittles, and I bought them in bulk bags at Target, and once Target sold out Walmart. <laughs> the students also brought in bags. However, if I were to do this project again, limiting the amount of squares when applying the mosaic filter would also reduce the amount of skills required. And number three, Skittles attract unwanted visitors. It's amazing how many students from other classes stopped by just to see how things were going during this project. They didn't show that type of curiosity when we were working on the value scales. No, they did not. We also had ants. <laughs> If you leave over Skittles on the floor, an ant will find it. That ant will then call all his friend ants because ants apparently like to share. Hey, that is from Project Flop. You can find that on Amazon for a couple of bucks if you want to read the rest of the stories. Also, some free resources. If you've never stopped by theartistsouthb.com, I've got a lot of lesson plans on there. If you look in the top, you'll see the nine, and I've got videos and presentations for the nine. I've got another tab called Artistic Behavior Units, where I have uh, all the artistic behavior units, again, with videos and presentations. And there is a theme tab as well that has a bunch of different themes uh, with videos and presentations. So feel free to go to theartistsouthbee.com and steal whatever you like. <laughs> All right. Hey, thanks for listening, and we'll meet again next week. Until then, keep making artists. Mm-hmm.